Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool, Cullen, Deirdre of the Sorrows, Grawn, New Whale. From giants right down to fairies, of both the trooping and solitary, and close to us, sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Buka Fireside, the Merrow Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm. Fireside. Hello, and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore and mythology, we retell it, and have a chat about the tale itself and the craft, culture, and history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olahan. I am your host and your Fireside bard. Welcome along to episode 69 of Fireside. Now, I did say that last week uh, was episode 69, and preemptively gave out to people saying not to be making a joke about the number 69 and of course karma came back around to me by the fact that last week was episode 68 and this week is in fact 69 so apologies for the confusion there we've got a double double 69 and double occurrence to say keep your mind out of the gutter 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 jesus But this is episode 69 of Fireside, and that is my just reward for making a crack about it in the first place. This, as I frequently say, is the problem with high Roman numerals, because 69 is episode LXIX, and last week was LXVIII. I mean, they do look pretty, though, don't they? When you see them all lined up together, all those big, long Roman numerals. But that's what I get. But yes, apologies for that confusion. This is episode 69. First of all, I hope you're all doing very well wherever you are in the world. I hope that you're safe at home, that you and your family are safe physically and mentally during this time. This is, is it the fourth? Is it the the fifth episode that I've recorded here in isolation in Wicklow Town? Uh, during the quarantine of coronavirus in 2020. I keep saying that I hope that if you are listening to this podcast in six months in a year's time, that all of this, this isolation is a memory at that stage and that we are all back to normal as much as we can, that we're all back to work, that we're all back out in each other's lives. But in the meantime, I hope that this podcast can be some tiny means of solace, of community to you, wherever you are in the world. And thank you so much for continuing to listen to it. If you are a returning listener, please do continue to follow me on Instagram at Fireside Bard, all one word, if you want to contact me directly or see whatever I'm up to and what's happening with this podcast. If you really want to support the podcast, now has never been a better time to support the Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash Fireside Podcast, where, where, um, where you can support the podcast and me as an artist at a time where I, like so many of my colleagues, have uh, been have lost work, and and it is indeed a difficult time for us all, especially for those 
Not especially for those in the arts. I suppose I'll just say that because I am in the arts. I consider myself very fortunate that I was able to go home to Wicklow Town, uh, to my family home, and that I'm sort of in the countryside, able to go for sea swims and to walk in the countryside places within two kilometres, as dictated by the government. And that has been really crucial for protecting my mental health. Mondays is when I record this podcast and... Mondays have traditionally been the worst day I've found. I found it the toughest days of the week because it's the day where you go, oh, we've got a whole other week of this. So Mondays have been very tough for me mentally. Um, I don't know how people have been finding it out there. I think you just have to take it day at a time. But this today was actually okay. Actually had a really great day today. Definitely helps that the weather has been so nice. And I've been really looking forward to recording this episode. I've been recording them in the evening because it's the time we can have the most peace and quiet and less interference from anything outside, whether that be cars, birds, or just my dad walking past the window as he tends the garden. But to cut back around, that is, if anyone does want to support the Patreon, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash fireside podcast. And you can join the ranks of our latest patrons this week, Brian McGlynn, Cassie Young and Philip Kyo. They join Kevin McCaffrey and Christina Fitzsimons and a patron only known as ORM. I love that. It's like, uh, what is it? R-A-B in Harry Potter, Regulus Aurelius Black. I like that, that it's just the initials ORM. They are the latest patrons from this month. And thank you so much. I've tried to reach out to everyone individually, so if I have missed you, rest assured I will get around to messaging you personally, but thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. Your support for this podcast has never been more appreciated. But of course, the greatest joy of this podcast of all is that I get to keep recording it. I get to keep researching, writing and recording and releasing these podcasts, along with Headstuff, the uh, the podcast network, and I cannot wait to be back in the Headstuff studios recording But consider myself very privileged that I have the facilities and the equipment here at home to keep recording this podcast each and every week. And if you want to keep listening for free, please do so. I listen to plenty of podcasts for free. I listen to plenty. And um, that is just an egalitarian model for you if you do want to support this podcast. But that is up to yourself. But the story for this week is a story I found in my Wicklow Folktales book by Brendan Nolan that I've been reading over the past couple of weeks. It's been a great joy rediscovering this book of Wicklow Folktales of tales from my home county. And they're very different kinds of stories, very few that have overlapped with any we've done before. And this story in particular was, uh, it really felt like it was art imitating life a little bit. It echoed what was going on in my life a little bit last week which will either become very clear or I will explain afterwards. But I'll get right down to the story and we can chat a bit afterwards about it. And this is a story I have aptly titled The Rentereer's Resurrection on Fireside. The Rentereer's Resurrection Once upon a time, on a plot of rented land, there lived a young family fathered by a Wicklow man named Sean. The family lived and worked on the land, always at the mercy of the landlord who owned it. There came a month when Sean could not pay the rent. 
The landlord was feeling uncharacteristically generous and told Sean that if he did not have the money within a week, he and his family would be evicted. Sean's only hope of protecting his family's livelihood lay in one small cart of corn. With the aid of two kind strangers, Sean threshed the corn and took it to the nearest market, with the intention of selling it to the highest bidder and returning with the much-needed funds for his family. Sean had walked about five or six miles from home when he met a stranger on the road. "'What have you got there?' the stranger asked. "'Cart of corn. I'm taking it to the market,' said Sean. "'Sure, I'll take that off your hands.' Sean was still about halfway to the market and was reluctant to make the rest of the arduous journey. But he also wanted to get the best offer he could for his valuable corn. So the two men began to barter there at the side of the road. The stranger argued he should have a better price because he was saving Sean the journey to market. And Sean argued that if they were at the market, such a low-ball offer would easily be outbid. So eventually, they settled on a sum of five pounds. That may not seem like much now, but that was plenty enough to pay the rent on Sean's land and give him and his family a chance to get back on their feet. Sadly, that money would never make it back to the family, and the rent would not be paid. And cut to three days later, and friends and family were gathered around a closed casket at the funeral of Sean. Present at the burial was the landlord. The stomach of Sean's widow, Lily, turned when she saw the man whom she thought had put Sean in an early grave. Lily pulled the landlord aside and said, It's bad enough that my husband is going to be underground today without you showing up that put him there. You'll get your rent. Let my family grieve. The landlord kindly decided he would halt the eviction for a few more days. The coffin was buried there in the church graveyard, but a few nights after the funeral, who should arrive at the family home but Sean? He was rough-looking, like he'd slept in a ditch, but crucially, he was alive. Unaware a funeral in his name had already taken place, Sean let himself back into his own little home. There was a small turf fire still lit, but no one still awake. Sean went into the bedroom, and there he saw his wife Lily and two young children, all in the one bed. Sean thought they looked too comfortable to disturb, so he decided he would sleep out in the barn. This corn thresher was no stranger to sleeping in the barn, as he had had to any time he and Lily had had a fight, or he came home too drunk from the pub. So Sean climbed into the loft and nestled into a pile of hay and slept like an overgrown baby Jesus. The next morning, Sean awoke, looking forward to a reunion with his family. He remembered he still had the five pounds in his pocket from selling the corn, and he could tell Lily they would be safe from eviction. But Sean's pleasant thoughts were interrupted by a commotion outside the barn. Two gruff male voices and what appeared to be a high-pitched squeal. Sean clambered down and looked outside the barn and saw two local bailiffs 
who he knew worked for the landlord. The two men were trying to wrestle a pig to the ground. This was Sean's family's last pig. And when Sean saw the men trying to take it when he had the money to pay the rent, this infuriated him. He whirled around the barn and found a pitchfork. He ran out of the barn towards the two bailiffs and roared, Get off my land, you vultures! Three days ago, these two bailiffs had sat at Sean's funeral. So when a man they knew to be dead and buried came screaming and running at them with a pitchfork, they lost their appetite for pig apprehending. The two bailiffs screamed and ran off the property, as pigless as when they had arrived. Sean was pleased that his threat had gone so well. Too well. It had surprised Sean that the two men were so easily frightened. Maybe he was scarier than he thought. Or maybe all rent collectors are gutless cowards. Sean wasn't sure. Sean couldn't wait to tell his wife Lily and children about all that had happened. But when he went back into the house, he found that they were not there. Sean then realised it was Sunday, and so the family were surely at Mass. This being during the bad old days of Catholic Ireland. Sean thought he'd better get a move on, get to Mass himself. If I hurry, he thought to himself, I'll make it before communion. So Sean ran from his home down the long road towards the village and soon arrived at the little church. It was a tradition at the time that all the women and children sat on one side of the church and all the men on the other. So full was the church that there was also a gathering of men out the front too. Latecomers mostly. But to some, it was thought to keep alive an old tradition. During the days of the penal laws, when practising Catholicism was outlawed, priest hunters would raid churches who dared to defy this law. So a portion of men would always stand outside the front of a church and keep an eye out. Of course, even by the time of this story, these days were long past, but it was still a practice that some older parishioners honoured. When Sean arrived at the churchyard and saw some of his old school friends standing outside, he approached them with welcoming arms. Unaware, of course, that these men had also been at his funeral a few days earlier. When the men folk saw Sean approach, they all knew him, and not one of them turned towards the church. They all ran from it as fast as they could. And the priest inside must have seen the commotion even from the altar, for suddenly he announced, not ten minutes into the Mass, Mass is ended until further notice. Go! Leave! Now! In a wave of panic, anger and confusion, which Sean's family was carried off in, the church was emptied. Sean made his way through the sea of people, searching for his family, but couldn't make them out. When the crowd had dispersed, all that was left in the church was the priest, two frightened altar servers, and the, at least to them, ghostly apparition of Sean. The priest dismissed the two altar servers and approached the demon. All his years of training and priesthood had come to this. He had finally come face to face with an apparition from the other world, the proof 
twas years of faith. Sorry I'm late, father. I thought I'd at least make communion, said Sean. The priest didn't quite know what he expected the apparition of Sean to say, but it definitely wasn't that. Was uh, Lily and the kids here? I seem to keep missing them. The priest then thought he knew what was going on, and after some more careful thought he asked, Sean, where have you been for the last few days? Sean began to answer this, and realised he couldn't with as much ease as he initially thought. He remembered taking his corn to market, and selling it to some stranger, and then... nothing. He had no idea where he had been for the last three days. The priest reassured Sean, and with as much care as he could, calmly told the man he had been buried in the church graveyard three days ago. What? said Sean. This was a bad joke, even by a priest's standards. The priest assured him it was no joke, and if he didn't believe him, he could investigate himself. Lily declared you dead and we had a closed casket wake for you. I don't know what has brought you back. I haven't gone anywhere, father, said Sean, before storming out of the church. There was only one place Sean thought to go at such a time to see his landlord. The landlord in question had been forewarned by the two bailiffs of the ghost of Sean returned to protect his family from eviction. He didn't know whether to believe that or not. He thought the bailiffs were just too useless to even catch a pig. But that night, when the landlord walked into his kitchen, standing at the door was Sean. The landlord could not speak. Sean took advantage of this. He was starting to get good at being dead now and was having some fun. Moving in a haunting and eerie way, Sean threw a bag on the kitchen table. Here is your rent arrears, paid in full. Now I expect you to leave my family be, you leech. The landlord broke down to his knees. Keep your money. I promise I'll never ask for rent again. And your family may live on that land, rent-free. Just please, Sean, don't haunt me. It had gone exactly as Sean had hoped. He took his money and he left the landlord in a pool of his own urine. Sean was about to head home, but there was one last stop. A place he should have gone first but couldn't quite bring himself to. But it was a place he could avoid no longer. The graveyard. Sean walked back to the church and round the back. It was not hard to find his grave, as it was the freshly dug ground. But words cannot articulate the strangeness Sean felt as he looked at that tombstone bearing his own name. Looking around to see the coast was clear, Sean began to dig. When he reached the coffin, he took a crowbar and wrenched it open. He did it fast, to not give himself too long to think. He gazed into the coffin and saw, not himself, but an old oak stump. Sean knew how changelings felt. He initially felt relief, but soon further confusion set in. What had happened? Was he alive 
Was he dead? Had he died? Why had his wife declared him so? Had she put the oak in the coffin? All answers would await him when Sean arrived home. Sean left the graveyard, and on his way back to his little home, used the rent money to buy sweets for his children and a bottle of whiskey for himself. He would buy Lily something once he'd had a chance to ask her some questions. Sean arrived at his house at last, sure that his children would enjoy their sweets and that he'd enjoy his whiskey. But other than that, well, he didn't know a thing. The End And that is the story... Are we still recording? Yes, we are indeed. That is the story of the Rent Arrears Resurrection on Fireside. I hope you enjoyed it. It's a very different kind of story. Possibly... Is it one of the first stories, if not the first story on Fireside we've had that has ended in mystery? It was mystery that kind of pervaded the story. And I hope it's... I hope... uh, I hope it was clear. Um, that's that's the only thing I really do hope with the story, because it's a there was a challenge to writing this, in that it again you know this is from Wicklow Folk Tales by Brendan Nolan, and it is a story called the Resurrection of Sean in the book. But I kind of liked the idea of the Rentereers resurrection. So Rentereers is something that I have had to deal with once or twice in my life, as I'm sure many people have, not always our fault. But I loved what grabbed me about this story was Sean goes out to market and then suddenly we're at his funeral. We literally have this cut like it's in a film and we don't see what happens to Sean and we never really find out what did happen. We don't find out if he did die and that they buried his body there and then when his body came back that the oak stump was there then. We don't know if it was all a ploy, if the oak was just put into the coffin by Lily so that people would feel that there was some weight to it. Maybe Lily didn't want her to know that there wouldn't be anything found. We don't really know anything and we don't know how culpable Lily, the wife, was in any of this. And nor do we find out in the story in the book. And rather than trying to invent a more concrete one, I liked the idea of keeping it open-ended. And you can let me know when you listen to this if there's any conclusion that comes to mind if there's anywhere you think any way in particular you think that this story would end but what I really liked was we've had stories of people coming back from the dead I mean the story of the fairy horses springs to mind we've had a couple of stories with the banshees but we've never had a story of someone coming back from the dead where we're not sure where even they aren't sure whether they had died or not because that's a very sixth sense kind of thing, isn't it? Um, those that remember that great, great film, which I haven't seen in years. That's one of the things about the sixth sense, without giving anything away if you haven't seen it, where have you been, is that the dead don't know that they're dead. So we have that as a very strong possibility with Sean, or he may just have slept rough for a couple of days, gone on the beer with his with his newfound winnings, and not remembered what had happened to him. But of course, what I really, a great element of the story is him haunting the landlord and him getting the bailiff from these two 
I mean, scaring the shit out of these two bailiffs for stealing the pig. Yeah, these landlords have cropped up a lot in recent stories. Most notably in the fairy frog, we had uh, the landlord. And I've, I suppose my it, through the Badr-Meinhof phenomenon, I've started noticing these stories that landlords get mentioned. And there's a lot of talk of rented land because that was, of course, a huge, huge thing in Ireland not too long ago was the idea, and we have the mention of the penal laws here, where it was almost impossible for Catholics to own land. And so the vast majority of Catholic Ireland was owned by Protestant landowners, going right back to the establishment of the penal laws. And you have through the the plantations with Oliver Cromwell and everything, and right really up until uh, most of the penal laws are abolished through the valiant, valiant efforts of one Daniel O'Connell, um, the Catholic emancipator, as uh, as O'Connell is known, and gives the name to O'Connell Street. He's the curly-haired chap with the statue at the foot of O'Connell Street. But we have the mention of the penal laws here, which I really love. That's something I kept from the story of the mass with the men standing outside because of warning off priest hunters which just really just makes me think of vampire hunters when I think about it and the idea of these priest hunters standing or these guards standing outside the church looking out for priest hunters coming to throw priests in jail for for practicing catholic mass at a time where catholic mass was outlawed and while I wouldn't be religious at all myself anymore I don't think you would have to be to appreciate that to appreciate at that a time where such a large even even when even when Protestantism was rampant in Ireland and when Protestants were the only ones who owned land, still the vast vast majority of people living on this island were Catholic and were practicing Catholic, and so that being outlawed was basically to tell them all in their heads that they were all going to hell because if they couldn't go to mass, if they couldn't get get confession, um that they would go to hell. And so, of course, priests and parishioners, even though it was outlawed, would still do anything to go to Mass and make that effort. And I think that's a lovely touch in this story. And I'm sure that's an element that we'll find in other folk tales that I might look into. But yes, and then we have this story that ends in this mystery. And that's intrigued me more as well because most of our stories are wrapped up very much so that's what I often like about them I like them to be beginning middle and end in as short a tight as point as possible but they don't all have to be and I don't think it's totally unsatisfying to not find that out because we find out a lot of things certainly and we go on this journey with this character who I quite like I quite liked Sean and more than anything it's it's really nice for me to envision these places around Wicklow, that these all came from around the place where I am right now. It's, it really f- makes me feel quite rooted and connected to the county at the moment, and it's a real pleasure with that when we've had so many stories from so many other counties, and some stories that I have changed to be in Wicklow, uh, to have this book of stories from the county itself. But I shall wrap things up there. And I hope that you enjoyed another episode of Fireside. Yeah, it was nice to do an episode slagging off landlords because my landlord 
I'm lucky that I'm in my family home in Wicklow, but I'm still paying rent on my apartment up in Dublin, which obviously is a huge, huge strain on me and so many others who are forced to continue paying the rent when they aren't working. It's awful. And um, certainly my landlord, I have no no problem saying, has been totally... um, they've been horrible about it they haven't been they haven't been compassionate at all and there was no rent freeze or rent reduction we were just all expected to pay our rent anyway and it's done now and I've done it and I've had to kowtow to it because while I am in Wicklow and we don't know how much longer this is going to last I'm not quite ready to give up my apartment yet because so much of my work is in Dublin and I like my apartment and all my stuff is there and I wouldn't be able to move out even if I was. They can't evict us at the moment, but we tried and we had to we had to bow down to them and admit defeat and it was awful and I hate them for it. But that's my little rant. <laughs> nothing to do with any of you, nothing to do with storytelling, but that's why I took some pleasure in uh, slagging off some landlords this week. It's a tough old job. It's a tough old job, but... Uh, at the same time, the company that owns my building is a big, big conglomerate that owns loads of different buildings. And so it's really not personal. And if it's not personal, then no one has to feel any guilt. It's never anyone's fault. So you're emailing a person, but you're not emailing a human being. It just feels like it's you're emailing a person who pawns off responsibility or someone else or won't take responsibility. Say it's, you know, it's a higher person above that that wants you to pay the rent and it doesn't trickle down at all and no one takes responsibility for it I'm going around in circles now but that was the weight on my mind last week which I'm glad is lifted and I'm glad I'm fortunate that I could take the hit on it still even with not working that I did have the money to pay it but still awful at a time like this but yes I do hope that all of you are safe and well at home that all of you are safe and secure in your homes and that you that your rent, if you are in a rent-controlled place, that your rent was frozen, you received a rent reduction, or you were able to defer your rent for a later time. I hope that there was some compassion for you wherever you lived. If my uh, landlord is a secret fan of this podcast, yes, I meant every word I just said there. But I hope that you and your family, uh, wherever you are, to all the listeners of this podcast, you continue to be well during this quarantine and isolation. And if you're listening to this six months from now, I hope this is all a memory and that we're all still out having the crack with each other and back in each other's lives. Won't that be so wonderful? It will be fantastic. So that's it for another week. Thank you so much to Alan and Paddy at Headstuff for continuing to put this podcast out each and every week. Thank you for to Jamie, my producer, for editing it. And most of all, thank you to all of you for listening. Follow me on Instagram at Fireside Bard if you want to message me. If you want to support the podcast, patreon.com forward slash Fireside Podcast. I'll see you all. You'll hear me all next time. And remember, wherever you go, you can always, and wherever you are, you can always join me by the Fireside. Thank you and goodbye. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.